What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Apartment 113 podcast, where we talk with cool folks in the cannabis and psychedelics industry to learn about their projects and celebrate their successes. My name is Rob Sanchez, and this is episode 27. We're joined today by certified ganjier and cannabis writer, Isabella Deschard. Isabella has a few different projects in the works, along with contributing art and content to Fat Nugs magazine. Find out more at fatnugsmag.com and isabelladeshard.com. Enjoy the show. Isabella, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. I'm happy to have you on and um, have a fellow writer and uh, you know someone else who's been through the Ganjier program on the show. I love to love to stress some of the things that we learned going through that route and and you really got into the weeds with it liter- literally with the internship you did out there as well. Yeah, literally uh, got my hands dirty a bit in the process, uh, but it was definitely something uh, that I've truly helped gain my Ganjier certification. Super thankful for it. Gave a lot of um, kind of experience on the ground or a lot of understanding there throughout the cultivation process. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I always knew that I'm definitely more of a doer to learn hands-on is um, how I'm, it's really going to sink in with me. And so it, it was pretty serendipitous how it planned out, but I was looking to get out of my hometown for the summer, find an adventure. And I had just started the Gangier uh, certification process. And I'm watching all these modules online of like Swami and Honest Farm talking about cultivation. And then I was on a website called uh, Woofing, when a world organization of organic farming. And I was looking for like a farm volunteer situation for the summer and found them on there. And I said, I know that guy. I just like watched the Gangier, uh video with him, with Swami. So It was uh, meant to yeah, be right there, yeah. It was totally some <laughs> some magic, Mama Ganja magic going on. But yeah, from there, it just kind of like was a whirlwind. And then a month later, I was on the farm and then doing my Gangier live training. And this was, um, for the listeners, then this was last year, uh, 2022. How long was the internship that you... Um, spent time training up there on the farm? So the farm, I was there um, up in Laytonville, Mendocino, up in the mountains from the end of April to the end of October. So a solid six months. Great. Getting to see the full season. Yeah, Yeah, truly. I saw (laughs) them from little like seedlings starts. And then uh, we finished harvesting the last plant I think like three days before I left so it was like the perfect finale nice that's always great pulling the gals down and uh looking at all your hard work right yeah it was so rewarding I mean obviously you can imagine like 
the harvesting and you know the fruits of your labor that part's fun but really like there are so many rewarding aspects along the way and um so many mornings where you know we're like working all day like creating a like a, a a tea to brew for the soil out of like all these natural amendments and things like I'm learning all these yeah. different uh you know like farming methods and then truly the next morning I see the plants like shot up six inches and it's like no seriously like this works you see it in real time like it's very really, responsive yeah wow. yeah it was fun <laughs> yeah I know I really think that the cultivation experience is that I wish everyone could go through that and and see it a little bit harder to do maybe than it than it it could be but with home grow um you're never too far away from from getting a plant grown especially as some states have added more laws around around recreational home growing and things like that you don't have to be as as stealthy maybe as as you used right. to yeah you're not like you don't have to hide it like they did in the Emerald in your Triangle. computer box or something, right? Or, right. or way out in the forest, schlepping yeah. uh, bags of mulch out with you. Yeah. But that's a really <laughs> good point because yeah, that... it's so re- rewarding in your own way to grow, and it doesn't have to obviously be this huge, like off the grid, on top of a mountain experience to to learn how to grow cannabis. That that is a wonderful experience, of course, but it could just be in your in your extra bathroom or you know, garage. Yeah. Yeah, Or your little outside your window or deck. I don't know. It's different everywhere. And I was just telling uh, someone the other day that I haven't really grown a lot. I mean, the experience I had on Swami's farm was by far like the most extensive and extreme um, growing experience that I will always be thankful for. But I remember like in 2020 during COVID buying some seeds offline from somewhere kind of sketchy and like just throwing them in a pot and it was even that was so much fun and just at the same time I was smoking a lot of weed because it was COVID and nothing to do but also going online and learning like what cycle or what stage was my plant in and when do was it going to start flowering and what like what's the curing process like yeah so it was kind of fun kind of using that as your your guide or learning as it changed because um yeah. yeah the plants the i mean cannabis is called weed for a reason i mean it, it'll grow under some pretty diverse conditions pretty rough yeah pretty rough conditions no it may not grow perfectly but you'll still get that full experience <laughs> yeah but that's why it's cool there's so many different ways to grow and as a result so many different types of weed yeah. So, but before the Ganjier program, were you writing already and and working on kind of content writing and SEO, or did you lean into the the Ganjier cannabis side and then start writing after that knowledge and passion? I guess kind of what was the order of operations for you and um, how you've gotten involved yeah. in these projects? Yeah, that's a good question because uh, it's kind of happened hand in hand. Like I just mentioned, in twenty twenty, I grew my first little plant on the side and also part of the reason I had done that is uh I think I started in 2019 I did some traveling after college I got an acting degree which I will always be proud of doing um maybe one day Hollywood hasn't really I've had this book (laughs) oh they haven't yet (laughs) not yet no maybe maybe after this episode I think I've got a lot of agents listening (laughs) I hope uh, I have this book from the library called How to Write a Movie Script in 21 Days. 
and right. I've had it checked out from the library for almost a year. So I could have written so many movies in that time, but I need to get through it and uh, get that uh, script done. That's a that's a conversation for a later fee. episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, it's good to know. <laughs> Well, maybe, uh, yeah, toss me the book before you return it, though. That's good to know. Uh, exactly. I know. I, so you came through I, acting. and um, Yeah. So after school, I uh, was trying to figure out what to do, like most of us do. And I had found a super random job, uh, I think on Upwork. And they needed someone to be a ghost writer to write about uh, growing cannabis at home. And I knew nothing about okay. it, but I knew that I liked to smoke weed and I knew I had this relationship personally with the plant. Yeah. So I signed up, I got this gig and before you know it, I'm, I'm writing under someone like an alias name about how to grow weed and I'm truly getting all my information online. And that's when I started to find like seed banks and think like, you know, I have the time I'm sitting at home. I'm going to learn it myself. So that kind of happened Actually at the same tried. time. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, okay. But even then, like they gave me a list of like 10 keywords and said this was SEO and they were like, use these words and what you're writing. And so, um, yeah. That's how where how do you find that writing? Do you like writing to an SEO template or having to use certain words? Do you find that skill? Does it come easy to you, I guess? Or do you have to go back and plug in the keywords? Yeah, I think it's gotten easier. It's easy for me now because I've done it enough times to find like my rhythm uh, <laughs> and know how to make it like that kind natural. of voice. Right. Yeah. Yes, and that's I what I kind of struggle with. I think. Yeah, and people get intimidated. Like it has to be like said or mentioned a specific way. But I mean, there's so many different ways to write and communicate whatever the messages you're trying to communicate. And that, I think that's what I like writing about in general, but specifically with cannabis, a lot of the subject matter was more like how to's or like, yeah, like how to roll a joint, what ducks. is dabbing. Yeah. And that was fun too. Cause it helped me like learn how to explain like stuff that could be super complex, but in a super digestible way for people. And right, so right. there's one one theory or kind of way of looking at writing is that uh, writing about something is a, like a way to actually learn about it, to show yourself what you know, because to be able to write it, you, you know, you've got to take it into to all of your other experiences and, you know, put it back out into the context. So it's a good way to both like learn something deeper and teach others. It's always a, yeah. a really cool thing there when you start writing an article and by the end of it, it's like, oh man, I... I actually learned something writing this. <laughs> yeah, and I still, you still do, you know, but um, that is the best part about it. But I think- Did you do any other being, kind of writing before? Oh, that's a good, you know, I was doing a lot of creative writing. Like I was always pretty good in school at like, there were standardized tests that had like, you had to write the persuasive essays and I killed it. I always knew how Just to- knock it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, whatever <laughs> nice. it was. So I guess so I you were honing these that. skills for a little while. Yeah, yeah. I've always <laughs> been like the creative, colorful, uh, sparkly human, you know. But um, yeah, so now it's just about like applying like the nerdy subject matter of cannabis that I love to talk about and just making it like fun and colorful for people. <laughs> right. So Gan the Ganjier program and, and the internship on the farm is kind of like the crash course 
into yeah into all things cannabis then kind of combined now and looking at the list of projects that you've participated in or that you're currently participating in it seems like it's going at full um, really full throttle right now that's awesome how how is the time management between multiple projects um you know that's a good question because I will be honest and say that for me right now it's hard it's hard this week and it's not the only week it's been hard but it doesn't mean that I can't do it. It's just requires, right. Just kind of one step at a time. Right. And but at the same time, whenever I do feel myself getting overwhelmed like this, you know, sit back, take a toke, and I do think about <laughs> yeah. how thankful I am to be able to, first of all, just like work in this new industry and you know, include myself in a community that's that's been here, but is constantly growing. So there's a lot of positives. And I I try to bring myself back and say, like, you know, I'm thankful for the work I'm doing. And it just, it's all, I just knew, I always knew that whatever I wanted to end up doing in my life, I had to have like the passion and drive behind it. It couldn't just be a nine to five, I'm clocking in and out of. And so, um, yeah, I think that's kind of what gets me going. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that um, running multiple projects and products is what I love to do. I am, I think I'm more comfortable being stressed across multiple projects than I am with a lot of free time. So it's kind of a weird problem to have, but I still get overwhelmed there. And um, kind of the way I've been doing that lately is when it gets to be too much, trying to write down like, okay, what am I actually going to do to just like this afternoon? And yeah. like, I'll, I'll just accomplish that and worry about the rest tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a, no, it's, a work in progress the there, way. I think. <laughs> yeah, it really is yeah. <laughs> the best way to think about it. I mean, if anyone just opened like my backpack and saw the amount of like notes I had, that was like, you got this or turn in by 2 p.m. or whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> they would wonder what's going on. <laughs> How yeah, many businesses exactly. are inside this bag? Yeah. So the, but, the after the certified Gangier course, um, is that when you started finding Fat Nugs magazine? I know that Dustin got the mag started, I want to say it was mid-2022, coming on a year anniversary, or maybe we passed it already. Yeah, I think But it had a, some origins before that as well. Um, did you see the magazine first and submit writing, or uh, kind of how did that or um, arrangement work out for you and Dustin and Fat Nugs? Yeah, that worked out... Um... I want to say maybe around six months ago, uh, I had seen a lot of traction and just noticed the the brand and the publication from LinkedIn, I think like many people. Um, so I think Dustin really did a great job yeah, there, kind definitely. of like, br- yeah, birthing it on the one like social media platform that wouldn't, you know, take it down. <laughs> but um <laughs> Right. It's so crazy. LinkedIn became the place for cannabis communities when before it was this buttoned up, like consulting right. and hiring kind of social media. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always joke, too, because like I never thought I would be one to have a LinkedIn, but it is a very good source and it's a strong community base on there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but so if five I- years ago, someone's like, do you have a LinkedIn? It would have been a surprise. <laughs> yeah, like, no way, dude. Yeah, they'd be like Twitter's where I had a very, 
I had a very business oriented one for many, many years. It's been great to be able to open that and uh, find the cannabis community. Yeah, I agree. So that's definitely how I saw uh, Fat Nug. So I just remember reaching out. I would, we would, you know, touch base here and there, Dustin and I. And then um, I really wanted to get more involved uh, in the community by attending events. I had obviously had a great time in California and had attended like the Harvest Ball out there and some farmer markets farmers markets in Northern California. And I wanted to be a voice for, um, you know, small farmers and brands that were, you know, putting on these activities and getting the community together, but not really having anyone or where to showcase it. So I, I brought that to Dustin and the team to be like, Hey, I've heard, you know, there's some things going on. If you want someone to cover or write about these events, I'm happy to do so. I also really love to travel. Okay, nice. Yeah. So I, kind of another I good had, match made. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I know what I love to do. Like it's writing, cannabis, and traveling. So I'm always down to like make all three happen. Um, so yeah, so I started attending some conventions locally. I was in Florida at the time and then I was out West for a little bit. Um, and it just has kind of like catapulted from there. And now I'm helping a lot with the, the AR the AI art we're doing and the art direction for the upcoming edition, uh, which is going to be about the legacy culture of cannabis, which I think is a whole important conversation and super excited for everyone to see it. Yeah. The legacy, the legacy part of cannabis is definitely why I'm passionate about cannabis still Uh, getting started in in our early days, I guess, right? I was maybe 15 or 16 years old, kind of dabbling already. And then it wasn't too long before I was facilitating in quotes, you know, it's not, it's, it was easier to connect with people. And I was like confident enough to go into the city, I guess. Um, so it kind of became part of life, man. And, and seeing now the industry start to replace that and like change the terms and the, the vernacular kind of the vibes change, um, you know, for better and worse, right? It's not all bad, but it's definitely not all good. And I think shining a light on the legacy folks and, you know, people who were impacted by that or been been behind bars or, you know, had their families impacted is uh, definitely, I think, the main goal for the industry now is, okay, we've established this kind of bedrock of MSOs and this bulk cannabis industry. Now let's make sure that the the folks that really paved the road, right, are being taken care of or aren't being lost in the mix. I know that taxes and litigation on smaller businesses are is just felt so much heavier, like on a small cultivate, cultivation um, license versus like a massive greenhouse. And uh, I'm just hoping all the farmers can hang in there and that publications like Fat Nugs and, you know, writers like you can keep putting out good content and you know, give them the stage to put their craft product on because that's what I love to smoke, right? The outdoor right. You know, quality grown product, small batch stuff grown from the heart. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree to all of that. And even like you're saying though, like we can have both, you know, there's room for both. Some people want the Coke, some people yeah, want the Pepsi. Right. So like, <laughs> yeah, like, there's no like wrong, but we definitely just need to like balance it out a little bit. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't 
specifically know how I just want to help like push this conversation more and just have people like truly know and be aware of like the benefits of or difference that you're going to get from like something indoor versus grown outdoor uh in a way you know I think it's just like a lot of helping to share some of that Yeah, because a lot of new consumers don't just don't know. And I think sometimes I have to like take myself out of the bubble and all like the I because I'm always interacting with people that are working in the industry. And then I when you step back and realize like, oh, there is someone like walking into this dispensary for the first time, like kind of maybe nervous to ask, like, how will these edibles make me feel like, you know, like there's so many different perspectives and levels. And it's like, you know, I just want to like bring some conversations forward that maybe aren't there yet. Right. No, I think that's a really good perspective. Yeah. I think I've, I fall into that same bias talking with folks in the industry, working on software with the industry, like talking to compliance that, you know, sometimes I forget it's not normal to have conversations about the cannabis industry around the house or uh, yeah. <laughs> to know about, about all of the things that we do. Um, it's, and it's really important to find those consumers because, I think when it comes to the therapeutic side of cannabis, that's where there's a lot of um, a, a lot of grace that could be found, or perhaps some some alternative medic, you know, medication solutions or things to just make people happier. Mm-hmm. I know yeah, that, totally. uh, that that first trip into the dispensary can be daunting for someone maybe that's never smoked, or the last time they did it was you know decades ago, or when they were in school or something. Kind of, yeah, a little hesitant jumping in the into into the deep end especially with so many products and the different methods people have to consume now oh there's so many ways like I remember the first time I saw someone like my first dab rig and blowtorch I was like what yeah what kind of chemistry is going on (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was so blown away and then I got so high and I was like where you you were blown away the other way literally (laughs) blasted yeah I mean, so yeah, we've come a long way, but it's just about moving and grooving with like the growth of it all. So yeah, man, I remember lighting a torch one time in the house. I had like a little nectar collector early on and like, I don't know when it was, maybe like 2013 or 14. And I have some people just stood up basically because I lit the torch. Like they were really like, um, really worried about what was about to happen. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, yeah, that was a hard a hard era for dabs, I think, when that was the only route. And now I think it's still definitely a nice, a nice torched rig is, um, is the way to go. But e-rigs and things like that have made things a little more convenient. I'm, uh, I'm partial to the Puffco right now, just out of convenience. What's your yeah. daily driver these days? Yeah, that's a, a good point. Mine's been switching up a lot. Really, I roll joints every day. I mocha hey, today that's awesome yeah has your technique gotten better since the ganjie program or did you learn any methods from uh the ganjie courses that you've taken to heart yeah well i will say like besides rolling a joint like i was always i had a bong around my house was like my you know yeah my in that and was out. my yeah. go-to for sure that was my <laughs> buddy for a while and i always had some dab pens and dip devices and stuff but when I went out to California, I I didn't pack really anything except some flour and my grinder and papers. And so I was, I 
was like a rocky joint roller before going to the farm. But by the time I got out, I was like, I out could, of necessity. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a swami joint, but yeah, I could, I knew I had to get better. <laughs> if for listeners, swami rolls amazing joints that are packed end to end with flour, with no crutch, and no twist, no stopper, Incredible. and he kind of slowly cleans up the tray of all of the dust and, and trimmings. There's almost nothing there after a swami joint has been rolled. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's pretty great. Yeah. So impressed how he like, like no crumb left behind ever. And it's like the size <laughs> yes. of a finger. <laughs> I think that I had a method of rolling joints before the Ganjie program, but then, um, when they said how joints are kind of the optimum way to experience the flower, because you get all the different temperatures as you inhale it, I started to consider it more and um, have been practicing since then. And if, uh, I don't think I'm excellent at rolling them, but I've gotten better at making the cone and kind of getting a nice burn on it. Um, I've rolled a few that yeah. I'm proud of maybe, but I'm not ready yeah, to share. No, <laughs> no, no, I know. I yeah. mean, same. But when you do roll one, that it's like, oh, that's a nice shape. The grind was, everything's beautiful. It feels so great. Um, so happy you said that. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'm yeah. just like standing in the kitchen and I like look at it like, man, this one's great. I need to show it to yeah. someone. You know, I'll show no my wife there. or something and she's like, well, it's, that's fine. Like you don't, it's just very clean. Look at the crutch. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have a question for you because I saw your product review on the flour mill grinder, right? And yes, I was yep. wondering if you still stand with the same opinion and like, what do you, I don't know. I got one last year and I have some thoughts, but I want to know. Yeah, what think. I think that it's, it's a little bit difficult to clean compared to a standard grinder. So when I'm like on the fly or I just need something quick, still the sharp stone is coming out. The flour mill is definitely nice though. I I need to try a bowl ground from each grinder sober and try to see if there's any difference in the trichome heads or really in what's being kind of sold around the flour mill. The idea is that it's less, mm-hmm. right? It's tampering with the flour less. But sometimes with the flour mill, I squish the hell out of those buds. Same. And yeah, they're flat. I kind of, I don't think that would have happened in a normal grinder. So it's kind I agree. I think a little bit, I want to do some more research, <laughs> some more user yeah. research. That's it. I mean, a but lot I like of the feel of it so much, man. It feels quality. Yeah, it does. I mean, cause I think that there, you can get some real good fluffy, like flower from it, but it depends. Cause any like sun grown or like, stuff I've tried in the flour mill it just doesn't something about it it's but very then I was just, oily yeah and it doesn't like it's it's not a very fine like grind you know uh but I was out in, right in Denver for a few months and the weed out there is obviously like pretty different and indoor but I will say I had some I had some good shit and uh but that was a it lot milled a little nicer yeah totally uh so it's kind of like you need to it's a little more contextual, yeah. And especially if you had a, a drier flower, obviously that's not preferable, but in Vegas, a lot of flower is drier. That's gonna mill really quickly and, and well. But um, yeah, yeah some juicy stuff is hard. 
I think for the juicy buds, it's still the way to do it with like little scissors or your, your hands. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, I was learning a little bit of trimming too, which is fun. But spend some time with the tray and the, and the scissors, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's like unlimited, uh, right. It's so funny to, to sit there with trimmers and just bullshit all day, just, uh, doing your thing, sitting over your bin. (laughs) Yeah. I can like, so see it now how it must've been like in the nineties, eighties, seventies, you just like gather everyone together and you're trimming all day. Yeah, all the buddies coming over. Yep, have a little barbecue and uh, and work down thirty pounds. (laughs) Yeah, but it's cool, and I think even that just shows like the community aspect of everyone's there to do one thing, and that goes all the way back to like ancient times too. You know, right? Yeah, I think that was a cool thing in the Aganje program, looking at the cannabis history and pulling together some of the anecdotes and kind of stories of cannabis consumption or just use of the cannabis plants throughout time yeah so much uh, so much there that i think we just like choose to look past for a very long time because of the legalization and the stigma but then when you look back it's surprising to see oh like every culture or every era has used it to some degree yeah exactly but it's just it's just crazy that that was just never really understood or portrayed i just like i don't know where it all went wrong and different but there's a long long history and i i think that's also goes back into the conversation of like what we more people need to realize you know right kind of consumer education it's a it's a battle yeah but some consumers aren't really smoking to learn it's hard to say like wait man before you before you light up let me teach you this but it is kind of like what I'm trying to say, I guess. <laughs> like yeah, the, maybe I it's like, okay, smoke for a few months and then let's talk, right? <laughs> yeah. Like build your relationship. No, I know. It's like overwhelming. It can be overwhelming for people. And obviously it's just we like to talk about it. So it's on our mind and it's different. Right. Just nerding out about it. And if uh, if I guess if someone really comes with no information, you have to just find that filter and um, kind of like you said, kind of s- step out of your normal position and in, in the cannabis space and kind of help them bridge the gap. Yeah. Find a gummy that's going to get them get the job done or understand maybe their intention and things like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I just think I, I like to help people in that sense. And it, that is one of the main reasons I started the Gangier course to begin with was just to have like, to be backed by that knowledge and know that like you, I can help at all levels. And I know that it is like the correct information as well and not just the copy and paste stuff. Cause when I was ghostwriting, I'm looking up, like trying to figure out things. And a lot of it was just like repeated or super vague information. And I was like, there has to be more content out there that, uh, I don't know, that spreads the message. Yeah, right, or that can kind of bring some real detail or experience to it. I know that right. the in the world of content writing and kind of SEO writing and blogs, I've found sometimes I feel like I almost find the same blog or I realize that some resource I was reading was actually taken from, you know, Another. a resource I find like three or four down the chain. It's everything's kind of weirdly interconnected on some of those, uh, some of those questions that you could, you could ask the, 
ask the search engine, right? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, you know, I've seen that a lot for strain reviews. I was having to write a few, like, a few years ago for some side gig. And a lot of that was just copy and pasted. But, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's it's just that's rough. On the strain reviews, I've been trying to do when when I do them, I've tried to find like the genetics first, like the history of the strain, a little bit of like the crosses or things that went into it. But sometimes I do pull some of the flavors or try to use the descriptions of that strain to try to keep it on kind of like on brand, I guess. But I am mm-hmm. careful to not I try not to use something that I don't find in the flower because sometimes you read those those descriptions and with the product or the sample you have, it's just like, it's not happening. You know, yeah. that does not smell yeah. like grapefruit. <laughs> yeah. And then you're trying to figure out like, does it, is it me or is it Yeah. The am I supposed to know? Exactly. That's yeah. the hard one. We start second guessing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's I have to kind of like, trust that first whiff. Yeah. You got to trust your nose. That's definitely another big thing I learned. And even now, like, I don't know about you, but from the SAP training in the Gangier course, like I even started tasting my food differently. <laughs> Being like, what is the complexity of Yeah, kind of thinking of about the... <laughs> True, yeah. Like, how many layers are in this spaghetti as you peel back this, the acidic sauce and, and so on? <laughs> yeah. Or I even saw uh, there's a, a series on... Uh, the sommelier course for wine and kind of like that process and how the experts went through that. And that was so interesting, but everything was pretty much applicable to cannabis. I thought. Right. Right. The Somal, the SOM program is so close and, and crazy prestigious. It's very hard, I think, to get to that final SOM level with what they have to know um, on the taste. But I really love the analog, like how similar it is to the Gangier program and that level of connoisseurship and kind of attention to detail. Yeah. I found a, I I did find a little training course that um, teaches the first level of the sommelier track. So um, one of these days, maybe over the winter, I might try to take that and learn some more about trying to pick out different flavors. Because I think... It, the hardest part for me in describing flower or concentrate is just trying to put the words to the the experience, right? Or what you're feeling yeah. or smelling. Yeah, that was the hard part. Kind of fishing for too. that right imagery. It's just putting like putting it into words sometimes because I, I like will have a taste. But then I visual like I visualize what it tastes like, if that makes sense first. And then I'm like, okay, how do I describe this? <laughs> Is it uh, minty? Like, I don't know. It's very hard to put to words sometimes. Do you have any tips for someone who would be tr- who's trying to break down the flavor or the aroma of their products further? I kind of on how to start. Yeah, I mean. This is like what I always would have to remind myself is don't second guess it. Like whatever you smell or see or or uh, taste first, like that's it. You know, you kind of just got to trust yourself. If you second guess it, you're going to go back and, uh, and end up yeah. uh, overthinking, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I did <laughs> a few times. But uh, it, yeah, it's definitely like, 
and especially for something like the Gangier course, like it, it takes time to train your senses and yourself to actually like, like listen. Right. And to get that final test or to have enough, enough description there of the, of the flower. Yeah. The way I always try to describe it is that, um, or the, the story I tell to describe how to get good is Swami's story actually. And someone in our group there on the farm asked him how to get better. And he's just like answered very matter of factly without wasting any time, just smoke more. <laughs> yeah. And there's not yeah, really, there's no way around it, I guess. You got to consume more or have like more, uh, more differences in what you try. I think if you're really trying to get better at describing that aroma, trying to find out, find the rare ones or find mm-hmm. like the extremes, it was a little easier at first to say like, okay, well, linalool like floral strains okay that's kind of a like a strong smell you can pick out all the time or lemon from the limonene kind of strains can 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 be really easy or the citrus smells but then i think uh, it was kevin jodry that explained it explained it best maybe in that you kind of take that smell now you you found it and put it now to the side and now what's the next smell or the the next one and that's like the weird battle you can do. I wish you could taste some of these products longer than you can with just the exhalation of a dab or of right. a pre-roll. I kind of want to get that flavor back. Like, no, no, let me chew yeah. on that. Kick it around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like hold it in your mouth, swish it. I know. Yeah, that's the only thing. We need to get like terpene gum. That's the, the next Ooh, frontier for cannabis. That's, so you could like really have that flavor, that right? Something. Yeah, yeah, you could get like terpene gum. Or like, Guys, you heard that here. Don't don't <laughs> yeah. start that product without Isabella and myself. <laughs> it's gonna be a apartment one thirteen bitchy hippie collaboration. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, you can have that wrapper like the zebra gum. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. No, that'd be good. I'm really like that's also one thing because I'm currently just based in Florida, uh, but that's why I like to go and explore other markets because everywhere is so different right now, and there's some crazy new products that you don't see anywhere else everywhere yeah you mentioned when you mentioned traveling i was i forgot to ask you about that as you it's really great now to travel in the cannabis space because of those regional differences do you have a favorite market away from home or you know one that that you're always happy to land in i mean i don't yeah i think i there's definitely more i need to experience but i've spent obviously a good amount of time in the California one, but not com- a lot of time compared to everyone else there, but enough for me to know that I do like it. A preference there. Yeah. A preference. <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. Cause I don't mean <laughs> to walk in and be like, Oh yeah, no, but I do. It's cool. Cause I've met so many like incredible people that it's like, well, you worked so hard to kind of for they've all worked so hard to fight for what they can do right now and they're still kind of getting yeah but yeah right i mean metric and the laws are just yeah it's a constant uphill battle and nothing against other markets and nothing against socal but once you get about middle of the state up the cannabis is is wonderful right a lot of the products are just so great they're close to home so they haven't been impacted by like a long delivery time or distribution problems and things like that yeah it's hard to choose a favorite market i'm just happy that when i land i can just go to a dispensary now in in most places um and 
it's always a surprise though to see which markets are kind of getting up to speed. Yeah, it is. I think it's and, a um, it's a learning experience. Everybody wants to have the California, Colorado um, level market or like Oregon or Washington, um, having right. some of that appeal and and uh, nice cultivars in there. But you've got to get through the early days first. <laughs> yeah, everyone's kind of, you like you have to do your due diligence or you know pay your dues, I guess. Um, but exactly. It is, <laughs> yeah, but it's funny in that sense because everyone is on their own different level but you know i and that's why i also work you know with a cannabis marketing agency and just helping with seo i see a lot of different states and specific regulations with how they have to market like whether it's like package design or the information they can put on their website um it's really crazy and like medical markets too and florida is also, I was just mentioning to someone, it's just kind of like a, like a weird shit show. And it's like, it's, it's all medical, right? It's all medical, but there's a lot of talk right now because there's a huge petition that, uh, or proposal for recreational cannabis to be legalized in Florida and to put that on the upcoming ballot. Um, and the that could be campaign, huge. Yeah, that'd be the crazy. campaign is called smart and safe. I believe. Um, and it's, they got enough signatures. The only thing is, nice. um, there's a lot of terms in the petition that I don't know, there's a lot, but one of them, they wouldn't allow home grow. So that's kind of the debate right now. It's like, do Ooh. we want this to be legalized for recreational, but we're not going to get that home grow. And really yeah. this legalization would just be an advantage for, uh, MSOs. Companies. Right. Yes. And, like one called speak of the MSOs <laughs> that rhymes with truly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have, uh, they have quite a foothold in Florida, don't they? Yeah. Well, I, that's um, just what I, I meant. Yeah. yeah, exactly. When I was at 365 cannabis, I went down and implemented the software for, I think, I think it was one of their greenhouses that was being converted from a lemon tree farm. And it was in like the very early stages where they were still putting the walls up around the farm and kind of changing it over. It was it was awesome to see cannabis production at that scale, but I definitely see the impact though at of large companies on the state markets, right? Pushing out right. the other players. Um, yeah. And same things going on in Nevada. It's you've got to to enter the space or to have a license. You needed significant funding and. Um, and backing to even have a say there. Yeah, totally. I mean, definitely don't want to lose those home grow laws. I, I think that's like the tomato model. What Ed Rosenthal says, you know, that you know the right way to track and regulate cannabis is just treat it like a tomato. Mm-hmm. Problem solved. You know, you can yeah. make ketchup. You can grow tomatoes in your backyard. I could give you a tomato, or we could throw tomatoes in the street. Like it's At fine. Each other. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. So that's what's just been tough because it's obviously with like what I've been able to experience too. I want to promote and, you know, have a, like a space to have homegrown cannabis. So I don't know what's going to come of it. And I've seen a lot of like in Florida specifically, it's gotten a lot more lax because all these larger MSOs are coming in and um, I was at Cannadelic in St. Pete last weekend, and I was still surprised at like a cannabis psychedelic convention like that. I was smoking joints outside. 
you know? <laughs> yeah. So it was actually surprising then to see that in Florida still. Yeah. And then a huge cannabis event being put on in a place where it's medical. So it's that kind as of well, like, right? Yeah. And at the same time, I'm thinking like, okay, but this event's happening, but I know like there's still, you know, people incarcerated right now or like getting those it's effects. It's such a weird, it's such a weird line to walk when you're standing so outside in a smoking circle and mm-hmm. in an illegal state with folks. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a weird era we're in right now. And hopefully it, it doesn't last too long as states try to try to pull things together but man as soon as you introduce state politics we are just moving at at their timeline but that being said though cannabis has evolved rapidly it's it's crazy i think i'm i'm thankful to be in an industry that changes so much it makes other industries feel not boring but just like stagnant like oh it's it's always this way there's no changing regulations uh or constant changing license obligations and and other concerns (laughs) Yeah, totally. I, I, yeah, I just always knew I needed something that I was, that was more than just a job or just like a stale industry. So I am very lucky every day that we get to do this. And you mentioned that you were a, you were a fan of the bong for a while. That was my go-to all the way through like college and through like many of the last years until I kind of got into concentrates deeper and, and stopped smoking it. Have you gone back and taken a bong rip now after not smoking a bong consistently? Because I did, and man, I gotta say, it did not taste, did not taste wonderful. <laughs> not that great. Yeah, no, I'm like, no, I, I have mine packed up in storage, and I was thinking the other day, should I get it out? So maybe that's dust that's it off. My answer. <laughs> yeah, but I know like nothing is the same as a joint, but I think I just liked the quickness of a bong. But now it's it's more yeah. of like a ritual preparing like rolling and stuff right there was a little bit of that ritual with the bong when you get the ice if you ever had if you had ice catchers or anything like that but it was definitely more of a convenience thing I I just thought it was really funny when I tried it and was actually like oh wow like and I was acting like really pretentious like I need to roll a joint again or take a dab instead (laughs) (laughs) did you cough a lot because that hurts yeah, I was just like, what the heck, man? And I used to have, like, lungs of steel on that thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if, if you step away, you'll lose it. That's probably good, though. That's the lungs healing, right? That's the goodness. Yeah, yeah I think so, too. Sometimes I feel that way with dabs, though, where it's like I, f- I can feel my lungs asking for a break. <laughs> right. Time to time to moderate yeah. for a little bit or smoke something lighter. Yeah, take an edible. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I've been experimenting with some tincture lately that um, I'm having like mixed results because I think that my like ingestion, if I if I eat anything, it's like very odd. It depends mu- on what I ate before or like how hungry I am and things like that. But when it comes on right, I, I'm enjoying the tincture a lot because it feels like you're just going about your normal day, you know, having a cup of coffee or things like that. But it seems a little unpredictable. Sometimes it's really heavy. Other times it's not not really there. Oh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just about yes. the the dose. All the biochemistry the stuff and the right, yeah, time of day even as well. Yeah. Awesome, Isabella. Well, uh, where can our listeners find out more about you and um, connect with you, with your projects? It's been great to talk with you on the show. Yeah, you can always check out what's 
new and happening um, on my LinkedIn, Isabella Deschard. I'm part of fatnugsmag.com. Stay tuned for the latest uh, legacy edition coming out in August. Uh, my website, isabelladeschard.com, also has some of my bitchy hippie graphic design services and writing portfolio pieces. Uh, but Rob, thank you for this time because obviously I love to talk about cannabis and it's always nice to dish it out with another Sangier. So thank you for the time. Yeah, yeah. Happy to give you the stage there and talk shop. We'll, uh, we'll get that terpy gum in the works in the meantime. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs>